0: Good morning. It's Sunday, November 1st, 2020. Welcome to this online resource for at-home spiritual growth as we continue to be in an interim time between worshiping together, as is our custom, and having the need to also stay home and keep distance as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to go through our country and our world. You can follow along with the order of service as it appears on the screen today, or alternatively, you can download a PDF of the worship folder from our website, print it off, and follow along that way at home. I wish you God's blessings this morning as you hear about Christ's identity. I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Your word is a lamp for my feet, and a light on my path. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may hold firmly to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The reading is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. We see that everything the Lord has done has made it clear who Christ is. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in the human will but prophets though human spoke from God as they were carried along by the holy spirit the word of the lord thanks be to god the holy gospel is matthew chapter 17 verses 1 to 9 the father confirms the identity of his son the lord jesus Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But when Jesus came and touched them, he said, Get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Mountaintops are memorable places. You have the elevation, the clear, crisp air, the magnificent view, and it all adds up to create an atmosphere of awe, respect, and high spirits. In today's gospel from Matthew chapter 17, three disciples of Jesus went on a hike up a mountain, but they weren't in high spirits that day. It was quite clear they were going up with some sadness and uncertainty because life with Jesus had hardly been easy for the disciples, Peter, James, and John. They had their expectations of Jesus, but those expectations were consistently mistaken. Time and time again, they demonstrated that they lacked both an understanding of the mission of Jesus, as well as an understanding of what following him would require. It was frustrating, bewildering. In fact, just a few days before this trip up the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus had severely rebuked Peter, telling him, You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Of course, you and I, when we walk with Jesus in our lives, we often walk in the same sadness and uncertainty, because life with Jesus is hardly any easier today than it was 2,000 years ago. Like Peter, James, and John, we have so many questions. What do we want Jesus to be in our lives? What do we expect of him, and what does he expect of us? Not to mention the fact that our expectations of Jesus are often just as inappropriate as theirs were. We often pour more time, money, energy, and attention into merely human concerns rather than the concerns of God. So, the transfiguration of Jesus was a powerful way for God to provide answers to the questions in the disciples' minds and their eyewitness testimony, the disciples who saw this, that eyewitness testimony offers the same answers to us who are listening today. Jesus' own appearance changed on the mountain, only for a little while, but the change that change caused in the lives of Peter, James, and John lasted well beyond that day. And the change Jesus enacts in our life is also made to last as well, especially as we see the Son's identity. Now, before that big change, the disciples did have to go through some additional confusion, some more terror even, as the Lord dramatically reconfigured their worldview. All of a sudden, as on they were on that mountain, Jesus was transfigured before them. That means his appearance changed. His ordinary outward form began to shine with unmistakable glory. The glory that was his because he is not only truly human, but also truly God in human flesh. Even his clothing transfigured from drab off-white burlap to shining light. And this isn't the kind of clean you get from a good laundering. This is shining white in a way human language fails to express adequately. But what their human language could not express, their human hearts could still feel because the sight of Jesus' divine glory as the eternal Son of the Father overwhelmed them with fear and terror. So dumbstruck by it all, Peter blurted something out about pitching some tents for everyone there, and as parallel accounts of this uh, in other Gospels tell us, Really, Peter just he didn't know what to say. He had no idea what to say in the situation. He was in this awkward place between leaving behind his own understanding of things and making his way to a new reality in Christ. Of course, we don't want to be too hard on Peter and his companions either. They weren't in an easy spot. And as if Jesus' changed appearance wasn't enough already, next appears Moses and Elijah, two men long dead— At Jesus' side, and at this point, any of those merely human concerns or expectations that the disciples often had of Jesus, well, they were flying right out the window, wouldn't you say? The sight of Moses and Elijah affirmed for them the saving work of Jesus, his vocation, his calling, the very thing Jesus himself kept saying he had come to this earth to do. Moses was the great lawgiver. That is, the one who gave God's moral standards for the whole world. And by that law, God shows us what he expects of us, and what, and then we see how far short we've fallen of his expectations. There is a mismatch that when we take it seriously, then we start to see the serious consequences of that. And then Elijah was one of the first in the long line of prophets who spoke of the coming Savior, and what he would do to rescue a world of people trapped in their sin and death for failing to live to God's holy standards as they were created to live. Isaiah comes and delivers that good news. And so the sight of Moses and Elijah and then Jesus standing together united was a powerful way for God to show those Jewish eyewitnesses how everything was adding up. Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Moses, Elijah, Jesus together These three figures together underscore the purpose of Jesus' mission and ministry, which is part of his identity. It's all centered on his death and resurrection. Death because of our failing to keep the law. Resurrection because of God's plan to rescue us from our sin and death. In fact, that's why Jesus, I think, told his disciples, don't tell anyone about what you've just seen until I have risen from the dead. Then it's time. See, Jesus had laid the groundwork for their understanding of who he was and what he came to do, but it would only become completely clear and really relevant to other people after his resurrection from the dead. Only then would they experience the peace and confidence that this transfiguration, as troubling as it was in the moment, was really meant to provide. And so to help them along that path, though, to get them there, the Lord gave one more powerful sign as a testimony to these three eyewitnesses on the mountain. First, a cloud appeared and covered them. This indicated that God was there with them. A cloud was often how God appeared to his people in the Old Testament. Then the, the proof came when they heard a voice, a voice they recognized as God himself, saying, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Now, when the Father says that Jesus is the Son of God, he's saying that he is equal to the Father and the Holy Spirit, the other two persons of the threeness of our one God. In other words, Jesus is revealed here as more than a great teacher or an engaging leader or an inspiring example. He is the Son of God in human flesh, a member of the Holy Trinity, the infinite, unending, all-powerful God. And the first disciples needed that confirmation from God because it was, it was actually for claiming to be God that Jesus' own enemies put him to death. That was the crime they accused him of. They said, this man blasphemes. He's saying he's God. And so the voice from the Father prepared the disciples to understand that Jesus was correct in making that claim. And we need that confirmation too because our world is, All around us, the world says many complimentary things about Jesus. No one has any bad things to say about Jesus, but it's another thing entirely to confess Jesus as true Lord and true God. That is a more rare gift. After all, it's one thing to say nice things about Jesus. It's another thing entirely to confess his identity as he claimed and as he revealed, because then... It would require you and me to conform our thinking and our living to the pattern of the Son of God. And that is a different thing entirely, isn't it? And so the Father finally directs the disciples to listen to Jesus and to trust him, to take what he says, his word, and take his identity and wrap this all together and say, here is the one in Jesus whom I can follow. I can trust him. What he says is true. And after all, what we say to be true about Jesus' work is closely related to our attitude toward his word. They all come, This all comes together. The Father gives the simple, unmistakable directive, listen to him, and that makes sense, given Jesus' identity. If Jesus is just a great teacher, you could disagree with him. You know, the Father might have said, this is my son whom I love. He's a, just a great teacher. A lot of other people like him, but he's a really good one. Uh, consider his point of view, maybe. If Jesus was just an inspiring example, you could always find some other inspiration, too. If if you could say Jesus is an engaging leader, you could follow him for a time, but then you could follow someone else. But the, the Father does not leave that option, does he? Because if Jesus is who he says he is and who the Father claims he is, that is, if he's God in human flesh, it makes big, big difference. Then what he says is really going to be worth listening to, worth following, worth staking everything on. We bet everything on what he says. Now, some people might say Christians are just blind followers, the kind of people swayed by stupid stories from long ago. And that caricature of Christianity certainly does cause a lot of pain in our hearts and our minds. In fact, that might be part of the sadness and frustration and uncertainty that we bring to the table today in our lives as followers of Jesus. Life with Jesus is is often difficult because life itself is fundamentally broken just as we are fundamentally broken. We have sin that clings to our hearts by our very birth, and and it leads to death, which is the, the most overwhelming empirical and scientific proof of sin there is and each of us is trying to carve out a space for our own wants and desires at work, at school, among our friends and family. Often it really does feel as if there's not a lot of room left for the goodness and the wholeness and the love of God and service to one another. But here on the mountain stands a man named Jesus showing his disciples and us so clearly who he is, how he is directly related to the promises of the Old Testament and how clearly those first eyewitnesses saw it all so that they were able to tell it to us. This transfiguration, this revelation of Christ's identity, resonates right on down to our time today. And it speaks in the same way it did long ago. Because what would happen next from this is something that we always remember. It was even more confusing. It was wrong, even. That this glorious one would soon go to a cross an instrument of execution and be put to death for crimes that he did not commit for lies that were told about him and even that our own sin sin he didn't commit would be heaped on him in that great moment on the cross and yet before Jesus walked through that dark valley on the way to resurrection he gave his disciples this revelation and we have it too for us, too, what happens between now and our promised entrance into into glory often seems confusing. It's often wrong and unjust. The fact that sin should should so easily break into my life that, that even as a Christian it's going to cling to me. That one's close relationships should be strained to the breaking point. That simply preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus should be faced with so many obstacles. That every human life, no matter how virtuous, should end in death. All this is the dark valley we still travel through. The tears will be on our faces because of this dark valley. But Jesus proclaims to us today and reveals through his identity that after this valley is a high spot, a mountain, where true glory is revealed and lasting comfort is given. Jesus gave us a glimpse of that on the Mount of Transfiguration, he showed his vocation, his identity, so that we would know who he is, who it is we're following, and what, it, what that requires of us. He gave us a glimpse of how he would purchase and win us by his own blood. And that glorious blood shed for us on the cross is the price that has redeemed us now and forever. Absolutely true. And he's preparing that lasting glory now for you as we speak, right now. And so we listen to him as the Father commands, We listen to him in his word. Our life becomes a movement from sadness and uncertainty through fear and confusion to assurance and confidence. That on the last day, Jesus is revealed to all and to our own eyes as well as the one we already know who he is, the one we're already following now, the glorious Son of God, the Savior of all people. Amen. Now, the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ, the Glorious Son, our Lord. Amen. Let's now confess our Christian faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Spare us, Lord, from the lies of the devil and the attacks of our conscience. Comfort and save us in your patient compassion. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Guide us, Lord, to the wisdom of your word and the power of your promises. Take away our confusion and doubt. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Hear us, Lord, when we come to you in prayer. Make us confident to take you at your word and follow you in faith. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Empower us, Lord, to walk in your ways and live in your truth. Fill us with your love that we may love you and one another. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Almighty God, by your Spirit, the whole body of the Church is governed and sanctified. Receive our prayers for all members of your Holy Church, that in their vocations and ministries they may truly serve and honor you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord's Prayer Our Father, who art in heaven, The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless us and keep us. Amen.